Hello and welcome to series four, episode 11 of Dad Educates Daughter on 80s music. We are currently in the middle of um, male soloists, which will continue today. So first of all, I better get Rebecca in. Hello. Hello, Dad. How are you? I'm good. You? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Okay. So this week you had Bruce Springsteen. Billy Joel, Adam Ant, Bruce Willis, Thomas Dolby, and Murray Head. Yes, so how I did do. you find that? So what I've noticed doing the soloist is they're not as much, and I put this in quotes, like 80s. Like, I feel like the bands, I think because you've got the band, you've got people doing like the synthesizer or playing the instruments in a way that is very 80s style whereas the solos you don't have that as much because they just have session musicians or whatever or a band for their band but they're not the main they're not the main focus if you know what i mean like it's not about the music it's about the soloist and the vocals it's still band, about the music yeah but i mean like a band you, your vocals don't have to be top notch because it's about all of you whereas a mm. soloist it is about those vocals because that's who you are that's what you're selling do you know that's, what I mean yeah yeah yeah, I see um, what you mean, yeah. so uh, yeah I've noticed that and a lot are a bit more rock orientated I want to say like band wise not soloist um I was a bit surprised by a few this week and I think you'll be uh, you might yeah I feel like you might be surprised about my opinions of mm-hmm. them this week because uh, I surprised myself uh, but yeah that will be revealed as we go on Okay, well, before we go on, how many number ones, if any, this week? I did have some. So mm-hmm. Bruce Springsteen, I went with two. Mm-hmm. Billy Joel, I think, had one. Um, and that was it. Yeah, okay. yeah, that was it. So we've so gone going for three. Three number ones, okay? Yes, so what, what are the two Bruce Springsteens and the one Billy Joel? So Born in the USA and Glory mm-hmm. Days by Bruce Springsteen. And then Uptown Girl for Billy Joel. Okay, fine. Okay, well, let's talk music. And let's start with Bruce, the boss, Springsteen. Do I not get to hear how many number ones there are? Oh, yeah, of course you do, yeah. Um, There were two number ones. Okay, so I might be right. Yeah. I might have them. Okay, right. So, Bruce Springsteen. I've gone for soft rock, pop for his genre. He's got quite a mixture of music and he can change it up with each song. Like he doesn't stick to one sound, but his songs don't then sound out of place. Um, And I think he's got a really good original voice um, and gives you a lot of energy. Um, His style wise, he's very casual, but very 80s looking. So as much as I say some people don't sound 80s, they definitely look it. Um, he likes like a live video, like a performance, but um, as in actually performing in front of people, not just a video of him performing. Um, and I feel like he's a bit of a performer, like he knows how to work the stage and work the audience. Um, what I did notice is when he has got a video, it kind of centres around a line of work, like he had one about mechanics, he had one about a construction worker, like that type of thing, like a working class. Um, and I don't know whether that what there was a reason behind that, 
obviously I don't look any further into it that's just what I've noticed but when he did have a video that wasn't him just performing it did have like that center around some sort of working class job yeah so whether anything okay. flagged up well, I can't give you the answer on that because I've always thought that Billy jo uh, Billy Billy Joel Bruce Springsteen um used um live videos Oh, which oh, I did like, notice, so. but he did have a couple that centred around some yeah. sort of line of work. Mm. Okay, well, I'm sorry, I, that'd be for another episode yes. um, of another podcast. <laughs> um, so Bruce Springsteen is from Long Branch, New Jersey in the US. He's been active in the music business since 1964. Ooh. He is a vocalist, guitarist. So a singer, songwriter, musician, mm -hmm. um, and he is rock, pop rock, Artland rock. Oh, Artland's a new one, isn't Art, it? Art, Art, Artland. Oh, Artland. Art, yes. Oh, that's still a new so, one. So Bruce Springsteen is nicknamed The Boss. He has released 21 studio albums during a career that spans six decades most of which featured his backing band the e street band springsteen is the originator of heartland rock ah, okay that's a genre combining mainstream rock music with poetic and socially conscious lyrics so that could well be where you're coming from with your yeah your, um, if he's socially he might yeah. be singing so yeah um and they oh see i've written it down it's me saying you won't find out in this episode oh, and I've written oh, it down. there you go um so uh heartland rock is a genre combining mainstream rock music with poetic and socially conscious lyrics that tell a narrative about working class american life Okay, so there was a reason behind his. So there you exact, go. There's very few videos that portray mm -hmm. that, but that shows why. Yeah, well, obviously, it's enough for it to put it across. So yeah, and I'd written it down it, without it, even enough, realizing. Yeah, and it's enough for me to notice it as well because obviously I've got his big yeah. hits. There might have been smaller yeah. hits that he made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're more into it, but yeah. So he is best known for his descriptive lyrics and energetic concerts with performances that can last more than four hours. Oh, my God. I don't so, know what yeah. I'd do at a concert for that long. You'd be busy dancing, wouldn't you, listening to The Boss. Why is he called The Boss? He just always has been. I've always known him as The Boss. I couldn't tell you why. No, it just I said I couldn't tell well. you why, and then I'll probably explain it. Later. <laughs> um, I'm not I know. <laughs> Um, so his first two albums were released in 1973, Greetings from Ashbury Park, Ashbury Park, New Jersey, and The Wild, The Innocent, and The E Street Shuffle. Oh, sorry. Yeah, and The, and the Wild, The Innocent, and The E Street Shuffle. Uh, they didn't really bring any success as they charted on the Billboard Hot 200 at number 60 and number 59, respectively. That's Which still is still good. quite good, but yeah. yeah. But compared, I suppose it wasn't seen at the time as, you know, I suppose 
a new artist you, you're hoping to you've wanted a bit further it's either sink or swim do really well or mm. not but it's sort of average yeah. um however springsteen then changed his style and achieved worldwide popularity with his third studio album born to run in 1975 which charted at number three on the billboard hot 200 his follow-up album darkness on the edge of town in 1978 charted at number five while his fifth studio album release the river in 1980 gave him his first number one on the billboard hot 200 as well as in canada and norway wow that's how you know you're a good artist as well like with that little bit of perseverance and recognizing what needs to change makes a yeah. whole lot of difference doesn't it like oh yeah and obviously for and him. Bam. yeah yeah so uh while it also peaked at number two in the netherlands new zealand sweden and the uk okay so it didn't make number one over here but still no. number two while reaching the top 10 in Ireland and Australia. Then in 1982, he released his sixth studio album, Nebraska, which peaked at number three in the US, Canada, New Zealand, Norway, and the UK, and made number two in Sweden. However, in 1984, the album Born in the USA was released and it was springsteen's seventh studio album which really introduced the boss worldwide oh, okay. as it hit number one in the us canada australia germany and the uk and i did buy it Ooh. on set i was looking for it and yeah. i can't find it um while peaking at number two in france italy and spain it also made number six in japan it only flopped really in Ireland, number 11, so just outside the top 10, Ellie, yeah. and Belgium, number 37. Ooh. But then Belgium aren't known for their pop music. Mm, yeah, that's true. You know, I can't name any real Belgium, so they're obviously tone deaf. I don't um, really know. Like, yeah. Don't know obviously, I said that tongue in cheek before anyone listening from Belgium complaints i do <laughs> uh, the album is still cited by critics as being one of the greatest albums of all time and produced seven top 10 singles and was nominated for a grammy award the singles released were dancing in the dark number two cover me number seven born in the usa number nine i'm on fire number six glory days number five i'm going down number nine and home my hometown number six which was a double a with santa claus is coming to town springsteen's cover version which is often seen as the best version of this christmas classic you didn't give me i'm going down um it obviously didn't chart in um over here in the uh uk they're from those are us 
Yeah, but I just thought because you were reading them, and I was like, I've got that one. I've got that uh, one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, maybe one for you to listen to if you wanted to, but that's US chart positions. And we know how they can sometimes be different. Yeah, especially when it's an American artist. Anyway. Yeah. Um, his next album, Tunnel of Love, released in 1987, also made number one on the Billboard Hot 200 album chart and was his last studio album released in the 1980s although he has since released a further 13 studio albums, with 12 of them reaching the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 200. Oh. With six making the number one position, giving Springsteen nine number one studio albums on the Billboard Hot 200 chart, with his last being High Hopes in 2014. Although his two follow-up albums, Western Stars in 2019 and Letter to You 2020, both reached number two. His last studio album, Only the Strong, Survive in 2022, did make number one but in Sweden, in Sweden, Norway, Netherlands and Germany, while in the UK it made number two, but in the US it was number eight. So even though he's, you know, I mean... Number eight in the US is still big, but it's yeah. seen as a failure when you've had nine number ones. <laughs> yeah, when when you've like been on a roll and yeah. you're all of a sudden up, people are questioning what's this. But the like? fact that an album released in 2022 is still making number one in what one, two, three, four countries, and, and obviously made number two over here as well. Yeah, and do you know what? At the beginning, when you said. Um, his career spans across six decades, and obviously mm. you said he started it in '64. I think it was. I like '64 was when he joined, when he was in the music business, but he didn't yeah, release I mean, his like, al first album until 1973. Yeah, but either way, his career spanned across six decades. So I was like yeah. '70, '80, '90, and went up to what was six, what six decades later would be, and I was like '2020s. And I nearly interrupted you, but I was like, I'm going to save it and find out if it's really true. And it is. It's still releasing. Yeah. That's mad. Yeah, he's had two albums in the 2020s. Letter to You in 2020 and Only the Strong Survive in 2022. Wow. So Bruce Springsteen has since said he regrets not playing at Live Aid. Oh, did he Although not? He Although he did feature on the U.S. charity single, We Are the World, Springsteen still tours and is currently touring on the Springsteen and E Street Band Tour. And he even played at Hyde Park, London in July. Oh, so he's year. like still dumb bits, hasn't he? So, yeah. Springsteen has sold more than 140 million records worldwide and more than 71 million in the US alone, making him one of the world's best-selling artists. He has earned numerous awards for his work, including 20 Grammy Awards, two Golden Globes and an Academy Award, an Oscar. He was inducted in both the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Songwriters Hall of Fame in 1999. How's he got an Oscar? I thought Oscars were just for film. 
Yeah, um, he may have had a, so a soundtrack. A soundtrack, yeah. Yeah. So, Bruce Springsteen, mm -hmm. 1981, The River, got to number 35. Okay. Do you know what? This weren't a good start. I had this song and I was like, oh, no. Not going to be a good, a good artist. Um, it had such a long intro. I was like, we started yet? Like, what's going on? And it's just very slow. It just, yeah. Weren't the, weren't the kick up in the morning that I needed. Mm -hmm. 1984, Dancing in the Dark, number four. Okay. So, uh, no, I was going to say I have two favourites, but I don't. This is my favourite. Um, yeah, very upbeat. It's got a very good tempo throughout, and it just... It just changed it all for me, and it's really catchy. Like it stuck with me. That's one that I've gone back to, one hundred percent. Nineteen eighty-four, still cover me, number sixteen. Oh, see, I like this one. It had a bit more to it, and like it had that rock rock side. Um, definitely a head bopper. Yeah. So just going back to the American, Dancing in the Dark got to number two, and Cover Me got to number seven. No, so cover me. Did, well, they yeah, both did yeah. better. Yeah. Um, 1985, a double A, this is. I'm on fire and born in the USA got to number five. Oh, that's really a letdown because born in the USA, I thought would be a number one. Well, um, so did I, I like it, but actually in the US, it only got to number nine, while I'm on fire got to number six. So released separately over there. Oh. Well, I'm on fire. I feel like I'm waiting for it to get. See, this is where I'm like, double mm, A is probably let born in the USA down because I'm on fire waiting for it to kick in. And then that it just never happened. Mm. Um, it just kind of came and left. So if that was like the main song when it was a double A. Well, I'm just going by the chart positions in the US. Yeah. You know, born in the USA, number nine, I'm on fire, number six, will tell you I'm on fire was actually the better. Yeah. Whereas oh. I think born in the USA, oh, I, I, agree. Felt, I felt that yeah. that had been his biggest song. I thought mm. that, I, I, like, listen to it, I was like, I think this is one that probably kick-started, you know, got him way up there, number one. Um, it's, ca it's repetitive, but it's really catchy, and I just feel like it hit all the right um, buttons, you know. Yeah. Mm. Okay, 1985 still, Glory Days, number 17. Got to number five in the US. I thought that was a number one as well. That one yeah. really gets you moving. It's happy, upbeat. See, this is what I mean. If, the, if these, well, if these were released now, it would be different because it's not the music that people are listening to. But my view, and U80s lot, is not the same. Wow. But I enjoyed that one. Quite disappointed it went number one. So I haven't got two number ones, right? That's for sure. So, uh, 1985, another double A, as we've already said. Santa Claus is coming to town and my hometown got to number nine. I've realised I listen to a lot of Christmas songs at the moment. Um. Mm -hmm. A lot of these soloists have Christmas songs. 
Um, Santa Claus is Coming to Town is a classic, very catchy. I feel like that's a Christmas song, like one for the kids. Um, but, you know, you always got to play it. And My Hometown, I feel like this one, he was singing for the people. It was very raw, very stripped back. So, yeah, that got to number six, those two in the double A in the US. Um, 1986 War, number 18. Oh, again, this one has a deeper meaning and I feel like there's anger in the song. I think it should have been up higher than 18. Definitely. OK. 1987 was the re-release of Born to Run. Well, re-release as in the fact that. He'd released it in the US. And I don't think he'd released it as a single over here, but this was a live version anyway. Got right. to number 16. Okay, this one was a down there. Mumbles a bit. Um, and there's just a lot of noise. Uh -huh. 1987, Brilliant Disguise, number 20. Okay, this one's got good vocals. A uh, bit more in the background. It's just a calm one. It's a bit of a change. Mm-hmm. 1988, Together With The Rest, number 13. Oh, I like this one. Heartfelt, really lovely song, really shows off his vocals. And then 1988, Spare Parts, number 32. See, this one, I think he changed it up a bit. Like, genre-wise. Um, I feel like there's some underlying genre in there, like he's moved on very fast paced and it was a head bopper. I did still enjoy it, but you could just hear that change a bit more than when he's just gone yeah. from like his more rock to his calmer ones. This had a complete change, I think. So I'm not surprised it was 32. Yeah. OK. So before we move on, just two things. Firstly, um, you said about the Born to Run live. It was there was a lot of noise in the background. That could have been because of the technology around in the 80s. Probably didn't have as much noise reduction to, try, to level yeah. out. Because obviously it's a live version. So yeah, I also think it weren't just like it being a live. I don't like live versions of things like unless I'm seeing it live, it's not the same when you're listening to it through headphones or in your car, mm. unless you're there. Do you know what I mean? Unless you've seen yeah, it live, yeah. it's not the same. But I also think the song was a lot of noise in the sense of a lot of instrument. Do you know what I mean? Like when, when it's like yeah. really rock that I don't like. So I think it was a bit of both with the uh, noise. Like it weren't just noise of it being a live song. It was like noise of it just being just being noise. on musical not yeah yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. and then the second thing i think um bruce springsteen more than anyone shows that you can be a really successful artist which he is and not necessarily get a number one single so oh God, he is no, not, he's not had, had a number one he's not had a number one either in the u.s either so in the u.s or the uk um, he's had number one albums though isn't he and that's what i was going to say he's he's definitely an album artist yeah. um now he has had a number one um because dancing in the dark got to number one in the netherlands um which was his um obviously one of his best and born in the usa Got to number one in New Zealand. Ah, uh, so I was right somewhere. I'm just talking okay. about the wrong country. <laughs> and the double, the double of so they obviously um, 
Born in the USA and I'm on Fire, which was a double way over here, was obviously elsewhere as well. And it got to number one in Ireland. Oh, okay. So two big but, countries yeah. that you're rooting for. He didn't. He was more of an album yes. artist, which is fine. But yeah, um, outside of those, um, no, no number. Oh, Glory Days, you said about. No, that didn't get to number one, so I know. No, that uh, one, yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no other number ones. Oh. Um, oh, Brilliant Disguise got to number one. Okay. What did I think of Brilliant In Disguise? In Norway. Oh, see, whereas I thought that was more of a background song. Yeah, same. So, yeah, so there you go. Um, he has had a number one since. Obviously, it was in 1994, which is why you didn't have it. But you probably won't, uh, well, you know, you won't remember it. But it's a, definitely a song you should listen to. The on. Streets of Philadelphia. Streets of Philadelphia. Yes, good song. Um, and it actually got to number one, I think, over here. They got to number two. We got to number one pretty everywhere. It got to number nine in the US, number two over here, but pretty much everywhere else. It got to number one. Oh, the streets of Philadelphia. Streets of Philadelphia, yeah. Canada, Germany, and Ireland. It got number one. And what was that one? Oh, the one I said that. I um, didn't have. Yeah, that was. I'm da da something down. I'm going down. But Streets of Philadelphia, definitely one, yeah, that I'd forgotten about, actually. Uh, definitely one to listen to. Okay. And so, that yes. got to number two over here, but in the 90s. Yes, but it has had enough. So, again, he's not had a number one in the US or the UK. Mm. However, the albums, the tours, he's, um, he's up there with the very best. So, we'll done. move on to Billy Joel. Yes, so Billy Joel. Um, rock and roll, I've gone with. I just think he's very rock. Um, he's very the same style. He does a lot of talking singing, which I don't always rate, but he's got a good tone in his voice. Um, he, I feel, got better over time. The more I listened, the more better he got. Um, and he moved into slower songs as time went on as well. Uh, he uses a band called The Affordables. So because they were, like, in some of the songs that I listened to, they were actually mentioned, like, it was Billy Joel and The Affordables. So I just, I've noted them in case there was anything relevant with that. I don't think I've written anything down about his band. Oh. Only because it came probably up. find out as I read it. <laughs> as you yeah. go through. Um, I think he's a very scary looking man. The first video, so all for Lena, right? I watched the first, watched the video. First sight of him, he was just staring at the camera. It made me feel very uneasy. And I was like, I don't think I could watch this video. I don't, I don't think I can. But I also noticed a couple of vid the videos after that seemed to be in the same place with the same outfit. Like they were all filmed in the same day uh -huh. if you know what i mean but yeah scary looking man i weren't really a fan of the way he looked okay. couldn't wait to get him off my screen 
So Billy Joel is from New York City, New York. He's been active in the music business since 1964. I think it was the same as Bruce Springsteen. Yes. Yeah, 1964. Um, he is a singer, songwriter and pianist. Okay. Um, his genres are rock, pop, soft rock and pop rock. Pop, whereas I thought it was just well, I guess that's all rock, isn't it? But oh no, yeah. a bit of pop, yeah, we're popping there as well. Yeah, whereas I thought it was just rock through and through. Yeah, I suppose Uptown Girl would be classed as pop. Mm, that's true, didn't think about that one. Yeah. Uh, Billy Joel is nicknamed the Piano Man after his signature tune of 1973, the song of the same name. He took piano lessons. As at his mother's insistence after dropping out of high school to pursue a music career, he joined two short lived bands, The Hassles and Attila, before signing a record deal with Family Productions in 1971 as a soloist. With his first album, Cold Spring Harbour, released in 1972. And then after a live radio performance of his then song, of his song, Captain Jack, he became popular in Philadelphia, prompting Columbia Records to offer a more lucrative recording deal, which Joel signed. And his last and his first release under Columbia Records was 1973's Piano Man which included Captain Jack and Piano Man. So the album was called Piano Man, the single was called Piano Man, and Billy Joel is known as Piano Man. Okay. Do you know what? When you said Piano Man, the first thing that came into my head was, I am no music man, and then I realised that was called Music Man, not Piano Man. Yeah. <laughs> so he there, his album... The album Sorry. Huh? Was that in the 70s? Yes, 1973. Right, okay. The album charted at number 27 on the Billboard Hot 200. However, his next two studio albums, Street Life Serenade in 1974 and Turnstiles in 1976, didn't um, see the continued success, charting on the Billboard Hot 200 album chart at number 35 and 122, respectively. So whereas we saw with Bruce Springsteen, he changed it and got better. This Obviously, one. Billy Joel didn't. Went the opposite. So, however, in 1977, Joel released his fifth studio album and the first to be produced by Phil Ramone, who he would work with for the next 10 years, releasing another five albums after the success of The Stranger which reached number two on the Billboard Hot 200. His following two albums, 52nd Street in 1978 and Glass Houses in 1980, both hit the number one position on the Billboard Hot 200 album chart. The next three albums, produced also with Ramon, would still be placed in the top ten and all were certified platinum. So he definitely While Joel 
also gained his first Billboard Hot 100 single chart number one with his It's Still Rock and Roll to Me from his Glass Houses album. While his second number one single, Tell Her About It, followed three years later in 19... From three years later, from his 1983 The Innocent Man album. So he had two singles in number one, which also had his single Uptown Girl, which was written about a working class downtown man attempting to woo a wealthy uptown girl. The song was covered by Irish boy band Westlife in 2001 and reached number one in the UK and Ireland. In 1989, Joel released his 11th studio album and his first since 1976 that wasn't produced by Phil Ramone. Instead, Joel co-produced with Mick Jones from the rock band Foreigner. The album Stormfront, which I have got, was a success, reaching number one on the Billboard Hot 200, with its lead single, We Didn't Start the Fire, also reaching, peaking, reaching, peaking, whichever you want to say, number one on the Billboard Hot 100. So he had the best. He had the album at the number one, and he had a single at number. One. And this is nineteen eighty. So I feel like he was a late bloomer, but like I said, he got better as time went on. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of the same in real life. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say he was a late bloomer though, because he'd still oh. had three albums. Was it at number yeah, one? Yeah, but. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I suppose they were all around the nineteen eighties, weren't they? Late seventies, eighties. Um, so that gave Joel his third and final number one on the Billboard Singles Chart, while follow-up album River of Dreams, released in 1993, gave Joel his fourth and final number one on the Billboard Album Chart. Joel's last studio album was released in 2001, Fantasies and Delusions, although this was not as successful charting at number 83 on the Billboard Hot 200. It was different from all his other releases as it was completely classical compositions and did give Joel his first number one on the Billboard classical album chart, which rounded off the musician known simply as the Piano Man. So he literally went back to his roots and I'm pleased to say he got to number one on the classicals. Um, in 1994, Joel toured with Elton John on their Face to Face tour, which was both the longest running and most successful concert tandem in pop history. During their performances, the duo played their own songs, covered each other's and performed duets. Joel has toured various countries during the 90s and noughties, and in 2013 made a rare visit to the UK with his first in seven years as he performed at Manchester, Birmingham and London's Hammersmith Apollo. On June the 1st, 2023, 
Joel announced that his residency at Madison Square Garden would end in July 2024 with his 100th performance in the series, make it marking 150 lifetime performances at the venue. Wow. And that's this year. So that'll be, it will end next year. Yeah. So Joel was married to American supermodel Christine Brinkley, and they have a daughter, Alexa Ray, uh, with her middle name being after Ray Childs, one of Joel's musical idols. Joel has won six Grammy Awards, including a Grammy Legend Award, which was awarded to Joel in 1991. Joel also won an American Music Award in 1981 for Best Pop Rock Album with Glass Houses. In 1993, Joel became the second entertainer to be inducted into the Madison Square Garden Walk of Fame. Joel was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1999 when nominated by one of his chief influences, who we've already mentioned, Ray Charles. In September, Charles. Charles. In in September 2004, Joel received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So he's on two Walk of Fames. I didn't know there was another one. You said Mad- Madison Square Garden. Yeah, Madison Garden. Square Garden Walk of Fame. Yeah. yeah, didn't know there was another one. Mm. You only hear about one, mm. don't you? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was that big. But I have heard of Billy Joel before, like Bruce Springsteen. I've heard of quite a few of these before, not going to lie. So, Billy Joel, 1980, all for Lena, number 40. Oh, so only just. Um, I like the keyboards in it. It's very fast paced, and I, this was one where I didn't like his singing, his talking uh-huh. singing. Plus, he's scary in the video. 1980, it's still rock and roll to me. Number 14. Obviously, that got to number one in the US. This is really catchy, and I think it should have been higher. It's got really good rhyming in the lyrics. Like, it's really, like, it's written really well, I think boosts it that bitch a bit more okay 1983 uptown girl number one yeah i said it would i do prefer westlife but i'm a westlife fan so this is the original i know it but both got to number one i had heard uptown girl the original before this by the way i didn't just think Uh that i knew uptown girl by westlife was a cover and i knew it was billy joel heard it before i prefer westlife but i okay. like westlife um but i do like a singing in this this is a really good one mm-hmm. 1983 one. yep yeah well done uh we've still got one to come and obviously you did yeah, say yeah. yeah that's all mine done <laughs> can't tell you any other one is 1983 tell her about it number four obviously that got to number one in the u.s Okay, this one had a bit of a change to it, I think. Only a tad, um, but made it that bit different. Really catchy, though. 
1984, An Innocent Man, number eight. Okay, I like this one. Um, he's really singing his heart out, and he's got, he shows like his uh, temp, uh, range, range in tone, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he really did some high pitch notes. Um, but it was a calm song. I did enjoy it. Okay. Still 1984, The Longest Time, number 25. 25? 25. This was my favourite. Should have been higher than that. I did recognise it a little bit, though. Like, I'd heard it somewhere before. Um, It's just simple and catchy, to the point, right up my street. Great song. Okay, 1984 still, and this is a double A. Good Night Saigon and Leave a Tender Moment Alone. Up to number 29. Okay. So Good Night Saigon. I feel like it's about someone or something. It's slow and it's a bit of a background song. It's quite quiet. So I feel like that let it down. But Leave a Tender Moment Alone is very good music. It's a love song. It's got a soft music in the background. Um, so it's more of a focus on him. Uh Sorry, no, other way round. There was a focus on the soft music more than him. And I feel um, like it just gave it that something different compared to everything else. Um, sure. So I preferred Leave a Tender Moment Alone over Good Night. Okay. And finally, 1989, We Didn't Start the Fire, my favourite of his. Got to number one in the US, got to number seven over here. Okay. It's got a good catchy chorus. Um, and it's what he started like. It's like he's come full circle with what I've listened to. Uh, very fast paced. I do, I do like it. I can see why you like it. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on to Adam Ant, the soloist. Yes, because obviously we've had Adam and the Ants. Yes. Um, so he's not what I remember him. As and I don't know if I'm just picturing or imagining Adam. I probably should have listened to a few of Adam and the Ant songs to compare, but he's not this type of music, isn't what I was expecting um, from him. Um, I swear he was weirder in Adam and the Ant, like yes, and Stand and Deliver, Prince Charming. I do remember Ant music, yeah, yeah. So, this isn't what I was expecting, anyway. I'm sure he was weirder, like weirder looking, like he's quite. I don't know. He changes as time goes on with his looks and sound. So none of his music similar. Quite memorable, though. Um, and I think he's quite plain as a soloist. Like, he just kind of quite stripped back. But then in Puss in Boots, he legit dressed up as a cat. And in Apollo 9, he legit dressed up as an astronaut. So you can't say he doesn't put the effort into his videos. No, he did in Adam and the Ants. If you remember, he had the old... um, Yeah, yeah. He was a highwayman in Stand and Deliver. Prince Charming, he had the the nose plaster white thing on his nose. Yeah, so he does put effort in. He's certainly a new romantic. Yes, and for genre, I put new wave, new romantic. Okay, so... Adam Ant from Marleybone, London, been active in the music business since 1977. He's a singer, musician and actor. Um, So he's a vocalist, guitarist, bass, 
can play harmonica, piano and mandolin. So he's quite an all-round musician and songwriter, singer-songwriter. Um, his um, genres are new wave, post-punk, alternative rock, dance rock and synth pop. See, that's where the difference is. I in with Adam and the Ant, I was like, oh yeah, I swear he's like all punky and rocky and all of that. Listen to this, and I did like those genres that you've just listed. I did not hear that, mm-hmm. so that's why I went with New Wave because I feel like I'm being safe, and I feel like yeah. he's quite safe as a soloist. Yeah, and I said New Wave first, so yeah. Mm-hmm. So his real name, he was born Stuart Leslie Goddard. Yeah, he started his music career playing bass in the band Bazooka Joe. Then, while watching the Sex Pistols at their first gig in 1975, he realised he wanted to do something different and be someone else. Um, but at the time, he couldn't work out what or who. He eventually decided on calling himself Adam, as Adam was the first man on on the earth adam and eve yeah and he chose ant because if there's ever a nuclear nuclear explosion the ants will survive they're one of the few animals or whatever insects whatever life life one of the few life forms that people say will survive a nuclear explosion did not know that so yeah um he then formed his own band, The B-Sides, with Leicester Square and Andy Warren. In 1977, together with drummer Paul Finn Flanagan, they went on to form Adam and the Ants, with the inaugural band meeting held in the audience of a Susie and the Banshees gig. So there you go. Their first meeting as officially Adam and the Ants instead of um, the B-sides was held. They they had it in a Susie and the Banshee gig. So whether that's saying that Susie and the Banshees were boring or whether it was in an interval or something, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was, it was at the Roxy Club in London's Covent Garden. So Adam and the Ants would release three studio albums between 1979 and 81, as well as having two number ones. In 1981, with Stand and Deliver and Prince Charming. However, the band never had a hit on the US Billboard Hot 100 chart and disbanded in 1982. By the time they disbanded, Adam Ant was the only remaining original member. As Leicester Square had left in May 1977, not long after they had formed, while Paul Flanagan left a month later. Andy Warren had stayed as member until September 1979, so the successful lineup of the Ants was totally changed from those who founded it, which I'm sure we went through when we discussed them anyway. Andy Warren went on to join Leicester Square. Um, who had formed in 1978 after leaving the Ants, um, the monochrome set. The band is cited by Morrissey and Johnny Marr 
of the Smiths as being the band that influenced them. Other bands who have mentioned the monochrome set as being an influence include Orange Juice and Franz Ferdinand. But they were just the other two in the Ant. That was, yeah. So after they'd left Adamant's or Leicester Square, when he left, he formed the monochrome set and Andy Warren then joined them when he left a bit later. Yeah, yeah. So following the disbandment of Adam and the Ants, Adamant went solo, although he retained the services of Ants guitarist Marco Peroni, who would also be co-writer for Adam Ant and drummer Chris Merrick Hughes, who was briefly his producer and produced his first release, the hit single Goody Two Shoes which Ant co-wrote with Peroni. The single became Ant's first top 20 hit in the US, because as I just said, he never had a hit in the US with Adam and the Ants. Mm -hmm. So he was more successful in the US as a soloist than he was with Adam and and the Ants. His first album, The Friend or Foe, saw another single chart with title track Friend or Foe. Ant recruited a new band for his solo tour and the album reached number five on the UK album chart and number 16 on the US Billboard Hot 200 chart. His first tour date was at London's Astoria on the 1st of October 1982. A US tour began in in November in New York, but on the 19th tour date, in Cleveland, Ohio, Ant suffered a knee injury on stage, forcing the postponement and cancellation of tour dates throughout February and March. Uh-huh. While he recuperated, Ant worked with Peroni on new material, which formed the basis of the second album, Strip, which was released in November 1983. However, it wasn't as much of a success as his debut solo album, reaching number 20 on the UK album chart and number 65 in the US. Although lead single, Puss in Boots, did chart well in the UK. His third studio album, Viva La Rock, released in September 1985, was his last release of the 80s, with neither the album or lead single, Apollo 9, charting well, with the album reaching number 42 in the UK and number 131 in the US. While the single didn't chart in the US due to the record label not promoting, which Ant has since said left him depressed and unenthusiastic about his future in the music business leading him to focus primarily on his acting career and not releasing another album until 1990, which is, what, five years later? Yeah. Um, And did perform the title track, Viva Le Rock, at Live Aid. However, it was the only song he got to play due to the preceding band, the Boomtown Rats, featuring concert organiser Bob Geldof overrunning their allotted time. So he didn't get to do any other songs. So I people would have probably been, been there. Him to, yeah. So people, he obviously, his first song was the one that was out at the time, because obviously that was 1985. 
Um, and then I suppose you'd have looked at either doing some Adam and the Ant stuff, uh, yeah. yeah, Adam and the Ant stuff, um, Stand and Deliver, Prince Charming, or even some solo of some of his actual solo work, like Goody Two Shoes or Puss in Boots. But yeah, so I've been fuming. Yeah. I'd have been so, like, no, I'm carrying. And any other act would have probably got taken off, but because it was Bob Geldof's. And yeah. to be honest, it wasn't that great, Bob Geldof. He was past his peak by then, and it, yeah, well, from what I remember, yeah, it was probably like didn't get good. I am, good, um, good reviews. Yeah, um, but I bet because he was the organizer, no one's going to say exactly, anything, exactly. are they? Right. So Ant has released a further three albums since taking time out in 1985 to act. So he released Manners and Physique in 1990. These are albums. Mm -hmm. Wonderful in 1995. And Adam Ant is the Blue Black Hussar in Marrying the Gunner's Daughter Blue in 2013. I think, he won the, I think he won the award for the longest ever album name with that That's one. That's like telling a story, um, that. Could you just imagine going in and going, have you got the new Adam Ant? album what's that adaman is the blue back black hussar in marrying the gunner's daughter That's sorry i didn't get all that story yeah i said adaman is the blue black hussar in marrying the gunner's daughter i mean it's like a well it's not even a title for a book um that's a whole but, short story oh yeah uh so that was released in 2013 um so 10 years ago uh, but Adam has never recaptured the success he enjoyed during the 80s. In 2008, Adam Ant won the Q Awards Q Icon and is a big champion for mental health. During a BBC Radio 6 music interview, he declared that mental health needs a great deal of attention. It's the final taboo and it needs to be faced and dealt with. Ant is involved in the Black Dog campaign, which promotes a better understanding of mental health illnesses, which Ant is a sufferer, having been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and has spent time in a psychiatric hospital. I mean, that's one way to put your name to good use, isn't it? Yeah. He's not even using it. Still, and it's still something that is obviously um, in the news even today, is yeah. mental illness more so than probably ever yeah um so yes um so adamant 1982 goody two shoes like bob but like bob <laughs> Billy bob <laughs> like boy george oh boy george when okay. he went solo yeah his first single was number one. Oh yeah i didn't think of it like that did i Adaman and his first single, Goody Two Shoes, was a number one success. I didn't think of it like that with how people would have portrayed him because he'd already been a success. Yeah. But I'll take that because Goody Two Shoes was my favourite. Very upbeat, fast paced, catchy lyrics, yeah. all rounder. So yeah, I'll take song. that. I'll take that. And that's he did, my I'm one. sure would have been his next song at um, Live Aid. He would have sang it. Oh, 100%. Sure. Yeah. Uh, also 1982, Friend or Foe, also a top 10, number nine. Right, he changed. He's got some silly sounds in here. Like, big change. I was just like, what's going on? 
Goody Two Shoes was just too good. He had to. He didn't know how to follow it up. 1982 again, desperate but not serious, number 33. Okay, this one's got a good chorus. It's slow, but it is good. Okay. 1983, Puss and Boots, number five. Uh, that one was a memorable one. Blooming random, but memorable. So weird. 1984, Apollo 9, number 13. So this had nothing to it. Absolutely nothing to it. Have you heard this one? I don't recall it, no. It's very instrumental, and basically every now and then he does a few lyrics and then he counts down. Like as if he's okay. going for takeoff. It was, yeah. Uh -huh. And in 1990, Room at the Top, number 13. This was a very good end. I liked this one. It was catchy. It was fun. Yeah, I enjoyed this for the last song. Okay. So, moving on to Bruce Willis. Yeah, no idea of his genre. I thought this guy was just an actor. Had no idea he's ever gone into singing. It completely baffles me. Even now, I'm going to be talking about it and finding it all out with you. I just... It's like it's not real. Like I'm there like Bruce Willis, the actor. I don't think anyone knows that he's been a singer. Does he just keep that hidden? Do any few people know about him? Oh, 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 yeah, obviously. Under the boardwalk was... But um... it's not. But no one ever talks about Bruce Willis, the singer. Well, no, because like, no he's... No, yeah, because no, no. he's an actor. But, I mean, yeah. like, no one even goes, ah... Oh, you do know, like, no one brings it up as, like, like I'd be bringing this up, like, as, like, a, oh, you know, like, those stupid facts that you know, that you're like, mm. I've got one for you. Did you know Bruce Willis used to be a singer before he was an actor or even at the same time, whatever it was, I'm sure you tell me. But I will be whipping this out at parties. Like, <laughs> did you know this about Bruce Willis? Um, anyway, oh. he... <laughs> I can't stop, like, this is what I've written. I'm going to read for you word for word what I've written. I thought he was just an actor. This baffles me. And I write this as I'm listening as well. Like, I go yeah. back and add to my notes. Confident man. So, obviously, I've watched a video and thought, oh, he's confident. Worked with The Temptations, by the way. So, I was like, I've heard of them. So, intrigued at how that came about. And then the last thing I wrote was, it just doesn't sit right with me that he's singing. <laughs> So I couldn't get it off my mind. Um, he's classic 80s style, though, you know, tight jeans, waistcoat. Not much else to say because it baffled me the whole time I was listening. Okay. So Bruce Willis, born in Oberstein, West Germany, as it was at the time. So Germany. So he's, he's German. German. I'll explain. Oh, my God. It gets even more. Like, what? <laughs> Um, he's been a singer. I won't say he's been active in the music, but he's been a singer since 1987. Right. Because okay. obviously he was, oh, so he was, he was more an actor. Yeah, but yeah. he was never, it's not a, he wasn't in a group where it, it come about. He's a bit like the American version of Robson and Jerome. You know, they, they ended up falling into it by mistake. Who's Robson and Jerome? Uh, they got to number one um, and it was, they were in a, in a TV series. They, they, um, 
I've forgotten his name, Robson. Robson Green and Jerome. I can never remember his name. Anyway, they're in a in a series called Soldier Soldier, and they done singing in it. Simon Cowell saw them and saw pound note signs and got them in the studio and he done a, a song. Um, it's a well-known song and I can't think what it was called. Um, but yeah, they, it got to number one and they then released albums on the back of it and that. And Bruce Willis, I suppose, is a similar sort of thing happened with him. So What? So he, Bruce Willis did act first. He was already an actor. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's a blues... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's blues, rhythm and blues and soul. Um, so his mother was German while his dad was American. They met due to his dad being posted um, in the American army to Germany. And then after his father was discharged from the army, the family re relocated back to America. So his mother is German. They right. met when his dad was posted to Germany in the American okay. army. They obviously got married and got or got you know got together and what have you. They had little Bruce. I think he's got a couple others as well, uh, siblings. And then when his dad left the army, they moved back to America. Okay. So he's actually classed so he's... as being born in German, but he would be of American nationality because only because of his um, dad. His, because of his dad being a pa at being stationed same yeah. as if you were if i was in the army and you were born abroad you're still classed as british because it was it was only country. because yeah, yeah 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 before you move on i looked up robson and jerome because i was like yeah. i know what you like uh was it unchained melody yes that was it yes yes it was yeah. at number one for seven weeks yes so, okay you can carry on so Bruce Willis is better known for being a film actor, especially the Die Hard movies, yeah, and funny. started out in TV in the US hit series Moonlighting, which ran from 1985 to 1989 and was also a big hit over here. Never. It was at that time when we had US hit, uh, US um, big series over here. So we had Moonlighting, we had Dallas, we had Dynasty, we had Falcon Crest. There's quite a few US um, things that come over. Um, Cheers, Seinfeld. Um, you know, novel? I suppose it's a bit like Friends in when you were growing okay. up. Obviously, yeah, but which Bruce Willis has also been on. Um, oh, there you go. He was a guest star. Uh, and did you know? It's completely off topic, but I have loads of Friends trivia. But Bruce Willis, when he did Friends, was because he lost a bet to matthew perry i think it was who plays chandler and his paycheck he donated to charity he didn't wow. yeah um what was i gonna say but the u.s stuff when they were all like over here and that just normal like most of the stuff you watch is u.s really uh actually i guess not like we like a drama mm. anyway yeah so maybe not moving on to back to bruce willis Let's um yeah, so he has released three solo albums. I can't get over that. It all come about after he had sang Good Lovin' on the Moonlighting soundtrack oh. and was encouraged to release his own studio album. 
So that is how it come about. Now you mentioned attempt. I don't know. I think one of the albums was like a meet with his idols or something. So whether that was where the oh, temptations cool. come into it or something. Yeah, but maybe. Yeah. But one of them um, said, I can't remember which yeah. song it was. I just wrote yeah, that so he did. Did. Yeah, I think there was one I read that was like a covers or a Bruce Willis and his friends or something like that. I can't mm. remember what it was now, but yeah. Um, so Willis has won numerous acting awards, including a Golden Globe Award for Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy Television Series, which is obviously right. for Moonlighting. Willis yeah. also has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Willis was married to fellow actress Demi Moore, um, and they have three children. Uh, they divorced in October 2000. In March 2022, Willis's family announced his retirement as he was suffering from aphasia. And in February 2023, Willis was diagnosed with dementia. What's aphasia? I think it's where you forget things, which is probably the onset of dementia oh, anyway. Right. So he couldn't remember lines and things like that. And so right. that's hence he retired. So, yes. And, um, yeah, as I say, he's um, sadly been since um, this year, early this year, so February, um, it was announced that he's I've been diagnosed it. with dementia. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Okay. So, two songs he released over here. 1987, Respect Yourself, got to number seven. That was my favourite out of the two. Vocals are quiet, but it picks up as it goes on. Um, there's female vocals halfway, so I don't know who that was. Uh -huh. I really like the chorus. The only downside of it was there was a little interruption with like some speech halfway through, but that was oh, more right. in the video. Uh -huh. yeah. But that was my favourite out of the two. Okay. And then 1987 also, Under the Boardwalk. Believe it or not, the actor, Bruce Willis, Where did it got come? another... So he's released two songs in the UK. Yeah. Both got into the top ten. That's mad. Yes. But... Well, say both. He has had other songs, but they haven't been... I think he has released others, but they weren't as successful. Um, as those two, I think he's released four over here. Um, yeah, so Sergeant Agent Man got to number 43, and Coming Right Up got to number 73. So he's released four singles over here, but it was the first two that obviously were the main two. Um, so yeah, Under the Broadwalk got to number two. Wow, but. Because I was going to say, when you said that he's released others, I was going to say, right, okay, but in what order? So these are the first two that he released over. Yeah, People yeah. were probably like, oh, my God, yeah, Bruce Willis, I know him. He did Die Hard, didn't he? Like, yeah. uh, he probably hadn't done it by now, but he was in that big show. Yeah, let's go see what he's about. Probably bought the first two and then thought, yeah, he should stick to acting. Well, they've both got into the top ten. If you think yeah, that, what, the, what, after the first one, you wouldn't buy that. But, about him. Yeah. And then but under the boardwalk, did was better. kept off number one by Pet Shop Boys. It's a sin. Okay. Well, under the boardwalk, he can, like he can sing. It is there. Um, still baffles me to this day. Um, okay. It was just slow for me. Fine. 
Thomas Dolby. Yes. So this one, he's really brought back the 80s sound for me. He's got a synth in there. So I've gone with synth pop, new wave. He's not much of a singer. And he looks like a scientist with <laughs> tiny glasses. Like, yeah, he just looks like a scientist. Random videos, like he plays a therapist in one of them. Um, but yeah, not much to say about him. I was more just okay. looking at the way he is. Um, but I so, did like to brought back that 80s sound, which mm-hmm. I said at the beginning you don't really hear with soloists. No. So he's born Thomas Morgan Robertson uh, from London. Mm-hmm. He's a singer, songwriter, musician and record producer. Uh, when I say musician, he's a keyboardist. He's been active in the music business since 1979. Okay. So he obviously got into the synth pop when all the others were coming when, into it, yeah. like Gary Newman, yeah. um, the original um, Human League, one. OMD, all that lot. Yeah, he got bought, uh, one, he bought one himself and had so, a yeah. background. So he is new wave synth pop and film music. So Dolby attended school at Abingdon in Oxfordshire. Just down the road from you. Just down the road. Where he competed his com- competed completed his A levels. Yeah. His stage name comes from his nickname Dolby. Um, because which he picked up due to always messing around with keyboards and tapes. Dolby oh, laboratories yeah. were behind the audio noise reduction process used for audio recording and playback, which was often referred to as just Dolby. I was going to say at the beginning, Dolby, that's a really weird surname. Isn't there some sort of technology that's Dolby? I was legit going to say that and it would have made me sound like I really knew something because I don't always come across like I know things. (laughs) (laughs) So Dolby adopted the stage name to avoid confusion with British singer Tom Robinson, although his name was Robertson, so I'm not sure why... That's the but case. I guess it's it'd have been be that bit Thomas Robertson and Tom Robinson, but there we yeah, go. But I done guess it. You, there's still similarities, isn't there? You yeah. want to be completely original, don't you? So, so. I can. So yeah, so um, Tom Robinson, who was popular when Dolby began his career. I'll be honest, I've never heard of Tom Robinson, but there we go. I'll be honest, um, I've never heard of many people you talk about. So <laughs> same page. So after Dolby released She Blinded Me With Science in 1982, Dolby Laboratories expressed concern regarding his stage name. Dolby's record, however, Dolby's record label refused to make him change his name and Dolby Labs did not raise the issue again until later. So following a lengthy legal battle, the court decided that Dolby Labs had no right to restrict the musician from using the name. However, it was agreed that he would not release any electronic equipment under his stage name. Because obviously, let's say Thomas Dolby Dolby released some headphones, then that could be seen as encroaching yeah. on the Dolby Laboratory. So yeah, that yeah. was agreed. But that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But at least he got to still then record as Thomas, Thomas Dolby. Dolby. Yeah. So Dolby is associated with the new wave movement um, of the early 80s, 
which is a form of pop music incorporating electronic instruments. Although his work covers a wide range of musical styles of high energy pop sound. Dolby released five albums between 1982 and 2011 with his second album. Yeah. With his second album, The Flat Earth, released in 1984, being his most successful in the UK chart at number 14. Although his debut album, The Golden Age of Wireless, which was released in 1982, charted at number eight in Canada and number 13 on the US Billboard Hot 200. While the single She Blinded Me With Science was a number one in Canada, while also making number five on the US Billboard Hot 100 chart. So, how did he do in the UK? Yes. 1982, Wind Power, number 31. Yeah, I agree. It's very programmed. There's not much singing going on. He's having a play with his keyboard. Okay. 1982, the single that's most associated with Thomas Dolby. Brilliant single. Bit of a shock as to why you've got it. Oh, is it really badly? 1982, She Blinded Me With Science got to number 49 on the UK chart. After it had done really well abroad, as I said, number one in Canada and number five in the US. Yeah. They re-released it in 1983. And it got to number 56. It did worse. It did worse. Well, Can it worked. You believe it? Oh, it's a good song. No, oh. it's minimal lyrics, really repeated, auto tuned voice. Uh, Just not. She blinded me with science. Yeah, you crack on. <laughs> no. 1984, hyperactive, number 17. Okay, that was also re-released in 1994 and got to number 23. So Hyperactive did better than She Blinded Re with Science, even when it was re-released in 1994. Yeah. It shouldn't re-release them, though. They always do worse. Mm. Um, very quick. There's definitely more to it. Um, just a bit mad. I just think he's... I don't think he's okay. He's a bit odd. <laughs> 1992, close but no cigar, got to number 22. My favourite. It was Ooh. the most song-like song. It was an actual song mm. that he had. Um, it was stripped back from all the sounds as well. Like it was too, His songs were a bit too programmed for me, like very early 80s with the synth pop when they just pressed the buttons to program buttons. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, yeah, Close But No Cigar was my favourite. Okay. Moving on to the last um, artist for this week, Murray Head. Yeah. So I've not got much to say. Only had one. Didn't Don't have a clue with genre. I don't want to say too much because it's always hard to do it, like, different, differentiate the what I want to talk about compared to the song, because all I have to talk about is the one song. Um, but something about chess. The video has a lot of chess in it. And that's all I really took from 
the video and him just chess. He did he played chess a lot. Um and I feel like it was quite Bangkok dress sense. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Like there weren't eighties yeah, yeah. about it, there weren't anything like stand out or yeah. It was a bit okay. of an odd one to end on, not gonna lie. All right. Okay, so Murray Head is from London. He's been active in the music business since 1966. Okay. However, like Bruce Willis, he's an actor, stroke singer. So um, we've got a few actors this week. Because Adamant obviously left the music oh, yeah, business to do went. acting. Mm-hmm. And we've had Bruce Willis, the actor. And now we've got Murray Head, the actor. But Murray um, Head is so he's, a, he's a vocalist, a guitarist. Um, and it's rock, new wave, and the pop is his genres. So a bit of a yeah, a bit different set. Up in it. So Head began writing songs as a child, and by the mid sixties, he had a London-based recording contract. He had limited success until asked, uh, until asked. Sorry, I can't even read my mind. By Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber oh. to play oh. Judas Iscario. On the original concept album, Jesus Christ Superstar. The song Superstar peaked at number 14 in on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1971. Head would go on to appear in West End musical Hair. Head reappeared in the spotlight in 1984 as the American on the concept album for the musical Chess which was written by Tim Rice and the musical side of it was written by Benny Anderson and Bjorn from ABBA. Okay. So the song One Night in Bangkok featured Head on lead vocals. It became the last significant Broadway West End number to be a hit single on both American and German radio until No Matter What by Boyzone in 1996 from the musical Whistle Down the Wind. Following One Night in Bangkok, Head had little music success, although between 1972 and 2012 he has released 12 studio albums but his only success came from a single written by Tim Rice and Bjorn Juverius of ABBA with music by Bjorn and Benny Anderson of ABBA as I said so the song got to number one in Australia Belgium Finland South Africa and uh, Spain Switzerland and, as it was at the time, West Germany, while also making the top 10 in Canada, number three, France, number two, Ireland, number seven, Sweden, number three, and the US on the Billboard Hot 100, it got to number three. Head went on to appear in several UK TV series like The Bill and Casualty. However, obviously, his musical success was... He's an actor, yeah. No, but I mean, like, he is an actor. Because I was like, yeah, he's not a big one. 
But he's been no, in some. Well, I'd say when he's, I think he's been like just parts, yeah, parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I just explained where it got in the rest of the world. Yeah, pretty much. Well, pretty much top three. I oh, know Poland was number seven, Ireland was number seven, so top ten in every country. But oh. then it was written by ABBA. Can I also say, yes, that's cheating. But can I also say, this man released 12 studio yeah. albums. 12 studio albums. One song. And that, that was not written by him, yeah. 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 I think he was just an album, but I don't think he ever released any singles other than this. He just really. kind of dropped an album. Just an albums, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so 1984, One Night in Bangkok. Did not make the top 10 in the UK, unlike everywhere else. It only got to number 12. Well, it can... I wouldn't have even put it that high. It's like a Mission theme tune. You know, like, not Mission... Like, a bit like Mission Impossible. It just feels mm-hmm. like I'm about to do something. Very mysterious start. Um, goes into talking, and then it brings out a bit of rap. I felt like mm-hmm. I was being pulled here, there, and everywhere with it, not going to lie. Um, yeah, it was a very odd. I one. like it. You like it? I like it. You're odd. <laughs> You're not my dad sometimes. I like the beginning with this intro, and then suddenly goes... It's brilliant, isn't it? The way it goes. No, it's not. Oh, it is. It is. No, you're not okay. Okay. (laughs) We'll move on. I'll put a little cross next to Mary Head now before I turn over back to Bruce Springsteen. But anyway, it's time to find out who you've been influenced over and who you haven't been influenced by. Uh So, Bruce Springsteen. Hit. I enjoyed him. I do really like him. I was you like you're a fan yeah. of the boss. Yeah. And I wrote down the two songs that you spoke about because I was like, yeah, actually, because I'd go out and listen to more. So, yeah. Okay. Billy Joel. Hit as well. I, mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you know what? He was a miss for a bit. But then as time went on and I started really looking at his songs and thinking what I do like about more. There are way more that I like than I don't like that I would actually revisit. So he's a hit. Uh, okay. Adam Ant. Right, so this is weird. Because he's like, let me talk it out. He's really weird, but there's something about him that I like. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know if I'm weird, <laughs> but I kind of want to put him as a hit. I well, have... he had three. You're saying you're weird. He had three top ten hits. Yeah, but no. As yeah. a solo artist, he had a bigger hit with Goody Two Shoes than he did with any Adamant songs. Yeah, yeah but you can say Or Adamantians. Yeah, but no. But the thing is, yes, you can say that he had some big hits, mm. but he's still weird. And I still think he's not that I like him. So he's a hit. He is a hit. I had him as a hit before I even started speaking to you. I'm just trying to say that I do find it really weird that I like him. 
Did you like Adam and the Ants? I can't remember. Well, do you know what? I did write, because I can't remember either, and I forgot mm. to say, did I like them? I yeah, can't I remember. I'm sure. I'm going to have to go I back. feeling you might not have. I've got a feeling you might not have. I feel like... I don't I understand how them. you cannot like stand and deliver Prince no, Charming. I think I liked some of their songs, but I didn't music. like... No. I'm going to have to go back and have a like look, yeah. because I remember Stand yeah. and Deliver, but... Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I liked them as a whole. I think I just liked yeah. bits. Okay. I've come a very long way since back then, you know. I'm a bit more yeah. open now, I think. So, actor Bruce Willis. Yeah, he was a miss. <laughs> yeah, you I, throw I think, him in diehard. <laughs> I think what doesn't help is that I felt really odd listening to him singing because he's mm. an actor. I don't think that helped. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Under the boardwalk. Dee 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 dee. Under the boardwalk. Um, Thomas Dolby. Miss. I thought he might be. Yeah. And um, that's it because we know Murray Head's a miss. Yeah. There he is. A miss. <laughs> I've never. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was weird. Very Still weird. three out of three. I'll um take that. Three out of six. You mean? Sorry. Yeah. Three out of six. Yeah. What I did mean. Um, okay. So, moving on to next week, episode 12. You yeah. have got Lionel Richie. Oh, Lionel Richie. I love him. Okay. Nick Hayward. No, have I got Nick Hayward? You have from Rewind South. You would have you wouldn't known him. You wouldn't have known him if we hadn't have mentioned it. If you hadn't have seen him in um, Rewind, no, you wouldn't I have known wouldn't. him. I wouldn't have had a clue who he was. Not going to lie, I would have been sat here going, "Nope." But it's mad. I've seen the guy live before I've even discussed him. Oh, um, a man, a man who was on the news only this morning. Funny enough, oh, go on. Fergal Sharkey. Oh, why was he on the news? Because he's a big campaigner for this um, polluting of rivers. So he's okay. very much into the what's happening with the water at the moment. So, yeah, he's oh, a big campaigner. But he was an 80s singer originally. Yes. So, yes. You've mentioned him oh, before. You have had him before. You've had him before. He was in a group. Right. That's um, why I mentioned him before. Chris DeBurr. Who? Chris DeBurr. No. Herbie Hancock. No. Ray Parker Jr. No. Okay. So that is next week. So Lionel Richie, Nick Hayward, Fergal Sharkey, Christopher, Herbie Hancock, and Ray Parker Jr. Okay. Oh, I'm quite excited. Mostly for Nick Hayward, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Lionel Richie songs. Yeah. I get oh. hang on a minute. Lionel Richie, did he do the King's Coronation? Uh, no, um, I don't think so. That's Steve Winwood. No, no, no. Someone else did it. And I text you going, Dad, this is awful. Oh, uh, I can't remember who I'm sure who it was him. Because it weren't Tom Jones, because Tom yeah. Jones holds a special place in my heart. I love him. I'm sure it was Lionel Richie, and you were like, oh, he's good, isn't he? And I was like, this is the most awful thing. I'm sure it was. 
You will see him in his at his best in the eighties. Obviously, yeah, you'll be listening to recordings from the eighties. So yes, yeah, much better. Okay. All right. All right then. I will get listening to those. Uh huh. And speak to you next week. Okay. All right. I will see you then. Bye bye. Yes. Bye, Dad. <laughs>